This is MSCI Perspectives, your source for weekly research insights as investors respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Adam Bass, and today is May 21st, 2020. A bit of housekeeping. Those who prefer to listen to podcasts on Google Podcasts can now find MSCI Perspectives there. That's in addition, of course, to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. This week, the first of a two-part series. We look at environmental, social, and governance, or ESG investing. ESG has been resilient through the crisis, but it may also play an important role in the recovery. To learn more, we turn to Linda Elling Lee, Global Head of ESG Research at MSCI. Linda, welcome. How have you been doing these past few months? I'm doing really pretty well. I am here in New York, and um, it's been great, actually, (laughs) to be a bit hunkered down and and really kind of focus. But I actually haven't heard on these podcasts how you're doing, Adam. How are you? Well, you're right. No one has asked me that, so thank you. Um, All things considered, I'm doing all right. I'm hunkered down with my family as well, and I've noticed all this togetherness has actually sparked an evolution of our family dynamic in in an interesting but positive way that that I truly hope will carry on. Well, I think that's great to hear. Okay, now that you've sufficiently embarrassed me, let's get to the topic at hand. It really seems like ESG is having a moment right now. Many of our guests have commented on that, but now that we have you here, what themes have you seen emerge? What are investors focused on? In the early phases, they were very initially focused on the supply chain impacts from the lockdowns in China and Asia. But what has really emerged, I think, as the the real story here in terms of what investors have been really focused on during this pandemic um, when it comes to ESG is on the S in ESG. They've really converged on this issue related to people. So this is really actually kind of a new phenomenon. I've been in um, the ESG research field for well over a decade, and I have never seen S be the number one issue that investors are talking about and caring about and asking about. It's always been much more around governance and then more recently around environmental and climate issues. That's a bit surprising given that so many companies are under financial stress. I think investors are asking these questions um, not really because they have such strong opinions about the very specific policies or procedures that companies have in place, but because I think how well companies are managing their people issues, um, it's a good indication. It's a, it's a proxy measure for the quality of management um, and, and the company's ability to be really agile and resilient and innovative, especially in the, the face of this crisis and beyond. Can you give us an example? In the U.S. electricity uh, market, the infrastructure is really aging, and that is going to mean more and longer power outages. And at the same time, um, this virus is estimated to affect up to 40% of U.S. utilities workers due to sickness or quarantine measures. So investors could look to differentiate utilities that can be better positioned to manage service disruptions because maybe their human capital programs could help minimize some of the disease that's spreading among their workforce. 
A second example would be around layoffs and executive compensation that, that really kind of grabs the headlines. We've all seen a lot of headlines that some CEOs, they've taken pay cuts while they are affecting layoffs. Some of the other ones have, for example, given employees raises across the board. And when we've seen um, these announcements, you know, sometimes they generate good publicity. But what's really important, I think, to investors is to know how well an executive pay has been aligned with performance and really how far apart the CEO's pay is from the average worker. Pay disparity has been a focus for some time even before the crisis. It's just one of the many trends it seems to have brought into sharper focus. But one day, hopefully soon, we will start transitioning to a post-COVID world. What have you and your team seen emerging in terms of themes? So over the last couple of weeks, what we've started to do was um, a little project to put together a series of charts that help illuminate where the post-COVID world might be headed. We're not really prognosticating or predicting, but we wanted to bring some interesting data to help investors think about the way the world might be changing in a more fundamental way post-COVID. And I would probably group those 10 charts and analysis um, under three headings. And the first one is really around macro-level systemic risks. So the, the pandemic has really crystallized um, for investors the fact that we face some of these intricate connected systemic challenges that can actually really bring down our society and economy pretty quickly. And um, they are not really risks that you can actually easily diversify away. Let's dive right in. What are some of those risks? You know, really the top of that list is inequality. There is a great deal of inequality in our economy, which is now just being exacerbated by the pandemic and our policy response to it. We had headlined actually one of our pieces around that as, you know, from Occupy Wall Street to potentially, you know, Occupy Zoom conference, because, you know, this last crisis, of course, um, the financial crisis has sparked this backlash against Wall Street. But this one could actually spark a backlash against the more digitally privileged um, people who can all work safely from home. And they are really very much clustered around um, the tech sector. Sounds like another brick in the digital divide wall. What's behind that? On the one hand, you have workers who are primarily working in technology fields or technology-enabled fields. They're highly educated, they are more highly compensated, and their ability to work from home keeps them much safer than the workers that are clustered in the part of the chart that is less educated, uh, less well-paid, much more exposed to contagion from social proximity because they are in industries like restaurants and retail and ports and airports and so forth. And it certainly exposes some of the vulnerabilities that were already present within the social and healthcare infrastructures. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what it is. So for, for one example, we know that the incentives in our um, in our drug development process is towards more lifestyle drugs like Viagra and much less um, towards drugs that have a public health benefit like vaccines, right? Right now, we already know that there are huge risks with antimicrobial resistance, for example, but only 9% of healthcare companies even acknowledge that as a potential risk, let alone actually have R&D programs to address that. We've also heard a lot about people looking to move out of cities. I read the other day that about 5% of New Yorkers left town to shelter in place elsewhere. You have to wonder whether this is temporary or if people will start to think, hey, maybe the suburbs aren't so bad. 
I'm actually really fascinated to see what happens over the next couple of years. I mean, of course, outward migration, you know, to towards the suburbs or exurbs, it could actually mean, ironically, more uh, risks because outward migration means that you're going to have more human encroachment into wild areas. Spreading out from urban centers actually means that you're losing a buffer zone between inhabited and uninhabited land. And this loss of buffer zone can kind of accelerate things like the emergence of the next pandemic. In fact, 70% of new infectious diseases in humans actually originate from another species. And um, at the same time, if you are losing uh, wild lands and decreasing biodiversity, it can actually shrink the pool of uh, novel drug compounds. We've already been projected to lose one important drug every other year just from this current loss rate um, of biodiversity. So this is the kind of interconnected systemic risks that I think that we'll really have to think a lot harder about in the post-COVID world. That's all for this week. Thanks to Linda and to all of you for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for the rest of our conversation with Linda Elling Lee when we discuss microtrends emerging from the crisis, creating new risks and potential opportunities. We also ask the question, how green will the eventual recovery be? If you have a moment, be sure to leave a comment and to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes and insights. For more from MSCI, check out our ESG Now podcast with new episodes every Friday. As always, you can follow us on the MSCI LinkedIn page and be sure to bookmark www.msci.com coronavirus for all our crisis-related content. Until next week, I'm your host, Adam Bass, and this is MSCI Perspectives. Stay safe, everyone.